tonight, uh, I'm going to look uh, start looking at Jehovah Jireh. Uh, that's why I was playing the song uh, 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 before we started, uh, for those of you who could hear that. So we're going to look at um, Jehovah Jireh, um, which, is, which means, and I'm sure everyone can kind of probably fo uh, follow or answer that by saying, you know, uh, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, or something like that. And um, uh, so we're going to start off in Genesis 22, 14. So go to Genesis 2214. Genesis 2214. And it says, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Okay. So the first thing I want to point out is that Jehovah Jireh is not the name of God. <laughs> if you read that verse, the only place where uh, Jehovah Jireh is mentioned, it's the name of the place that's called Jehovah Jireh. So, you know, that, that's, uh, I found that extremely interesting because uh, um, it was, a, it's not what I'm, I was uh, used to or what I'm familiar with. But Abraham didn't call the name of God Jehovah Jireh. He called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Now, don't fall off of your chair. It doesn't mean God doesn't provide. Uh, but I'm just wanting to show you something in this. Okay. Uh, Je Jehovah Jireh is the name of a place, not the name of God. God is Jehovah, but the, the name of the place was named after something that happened. So in Je Genesis chapter 22, we're going to read from 12 to 14. And let's look at it. It says, and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. I want to read it from the New Living Translation as well. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham took up and saw the ram caught by his, his, its horns in a thicket. And so then he took the ram and sacrificed as a burnt offering in, it, in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use the name as a proverb. On this mountain, the Lord of the Lord, it will be provided. So Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. Okay. Uh, I must just say, as I was thinking about this, um, the, the very popular Jireh song, it, it made it even more uh, meaningful for me. I couldn't remember all the lyrics when I was uh, preparing this, but I did think about it and I was like, it, it's, it's, it's even more significant now for me in many ways, because, you know, let's ask the question, what will the Lord provide? Okay, think about it for a moment. What will the Lord provide? You know, will he provide money and riches? Abraham already had money. Abraham already had riches. 
And in the context of this occasion, he was not referring to material wealth or riches at all. He was referring to the provision of a sacrifice. Okay, that is even more significant than the way we, we tend to approach the, 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 the name or the phrase Jehovah Jireh. Okay, Genesis 22 verse 8 says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, uh, so, they bo uh, so they went both of them together. So as we see in this verse, Abraham actually stated what the Lord was going to provide. Okay. We cannot put any other meaning of, of, of the explanation to the name Jehovah Jireh outside of this context. Because there's nowhere else in scripture in the Bible where, where Jehovah Jireh is mentioned. And so Jehovah Jireh is, is purely in the context of this passage. Okay, and what does Abraham say? My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. John 1, 29, one of my favorite verses, it says that the, uh, the John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so the whole drama of Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and the, the, the sacrifice was a foretelling about the sacrifice for sin, the sin of the world, that God would provide at Calvary in Christ. So when John said, behold the Lamb of God, he wasn't talking about a four-legged animal, <laughs> okay? He was talking about, he was using the word lamb in the context of the Old Testament sacrifices. He was talking about it in the context of um, uh, Jewish language or sacrificial language, okay, which, which means he was referring to Jesus as the sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life, depending on the translation that you're reading. Okay, God didn't send, or let me say it like this, God didn't love the Christians that he, he gave his only begotten son. Okay, we know that. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And God provided Jesus as the sacrifice for the sin not of, of the world, not just for the Christian. Okay, and this provision... <clears throat> was the fulfillment of what Abraham said prophetically in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, which we just read. God provided a lamb to take away the sin of the world. So if you take it from the, like, remember, nothing new is in the, the, the New Testament, the section of the Bible. It's all got a root in the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible. And so if if you see something in the new, you've got to see where it's coming from in the old. Okay, look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. The New Living Translation. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, <clears throat> For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. 
Okay, let me challenge you uh, this evening if I haven't already. Um, all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. So what promise are you holding on to from God? Yeah, what, are you, what promise are you standing on? It's a, it's a good challenging question to think about. I've had so many people, but I've got a promise from God. All God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'm kind of going to skip over that and carry on. Jehovah Jireh was a promise in a prophecy, but it's fulfilled by his death and his resurrection. Okay. It's no longer a promise. We live in the fulfillment of a promise. As Christians, we don't have a promise. We have a fulfillment. There's no promise of God that we're seeking. And so, so uh, the, the believer isn't trying to uh, believe for the promises of God. The believer is walking in the promise of God. Walking in the fulfillment of the promise, to be more accurate. Yeah, so firstly, with all of this put together, we need to see that we should never call God Jehovah Jireh, actually. Because there's nowhere in the Bible where God is called Jehovah Jireh. I'm, I googled it as I was thinking, and I, I couldn't see anyone who, who's really said this. Most people just take it as this is a name of God. But, I mean, it clearly says there that he named the place Jehovah Jireh. And secondly, the provision of God, what was it? It was a sacrifice for sin. It wasn't material wealth. Um, he was wealthy. He could have taken a, a goat or a lamb or whatever he wanted up to sacrifice. But God provided the sacrifice. See, and this is where religion is different from Christianity because religion wants to sacrifice for God. But God sacrificed for man. So, so, so we, we've got to see things from God's perspective. He doesn't expect us to sacrifice because he sacrificed. Okay, so we need to see that what is this provision of God? It's, 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 it's a sacrifice for sin, not for material wealth, which is often what um, uh, you know, many, believe, uh, many um, sometimes well-intending ministers are promoting. You know, God wants all men to prosper. I've spoken about that um, again and again. God wants all men to prosper. and have to be a believer to prosper. We cannot twist scriptures for selfish gain. Okay. Yeah, a verse in the Bible ne will, will never mean what it didn't mean when it was written. And I'll say that again. But a verse in the Bible will never mean what it didn't mean when it was written. Verses don't change with meaning just because uh, um, of time or because of geography or because of audience. The verses in the Bible will always mean what they always meant. And there is a context with regards to audience, and there's a context with regards to geography. There's a context with regards to time and culture and all of that. And there's an application maybe, but you cannot change the meaning of it just because uh, 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 times have changed. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 to 5 from the New King James Version. It says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So the mystery of the Old Testament writings, it, where we find the story of Abraham and Isaac, that story has been revealed. Now, there's a lot more detail and a lot more things that we could look at with regards to um, Abraham and Isaac. And I'm just keeping the main thing, the main thing in this. Okay. But, but what, I, what I want you to see here is that th that story has been explained. The, 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 the truth has been revealed. So it's been explained, it's, it's revealed, explained, it's recorded in the New Testament section of the Bible. So we, 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 we cannot and we're in error if we seek some kind of personal revelation on this issue. Any, anything in the Bible, anything in the Old Testament, if you're trying to, to seek, even in the New Testament, but if you're trying to seek personal revelation, like that's what it means to you, but this is what it means to me, you're wrong. There's no way to, to, to kind of uh, say it otherwise. Like it, there's one meaning for it. And it, 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 it can apply differently maybe in your life because of something, culture or whatever. But there's, there isn't one meaning of this verse for you and one meaning of this verse for me. The Bible means what it means. Okay, so we should not seek to try and get some personal revelation out of even the story of Abraham now. <clears throat> You know, we, we, we need to see what the Spirit has revealed about this account already. The Bible has already been interpreted. You know, uh, 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 well, let me say the Bible has already interpreted the story of Abraham, the account of Abraham. And so we just need to, we just need to see what it means and see what it says. Because it's explained in the New Testament. So the Old Testament is explained in the New Testament. This is something that we've been saying for a couple of months now. The, the, the old is explained in the new. We should never try and interpret things differently. In the New Testament, the story of Abraham is not a story of prosperity and riches, but of salvation by faith in Christ. We cannot stretch the story beyond that to try and mean something that we want it to mean. There is... Enough, it, the, the story of Abraham and the sacrifice and everything, you know, uh, 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 even where Abraham uh, gives a tithe to Melchizedek, which we, we will look at, you know, none of that can be stretched to, to, to mean um, uh, financial prosperity for us now. All of it is pointing to one purpose and one purpose only. And what is that purpose? Salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. This is the message of the Bible. Jesus and his salvation that comes through faith in him and what he's done for us. So we, 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 we need to realize that we can't stretch things out. Okay, so let me, let me, let me say, ask this question. So then does God provide finances? Okay, does God then provide? Because this is where, you know, we, 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 we attach, 
we, we, we want to say God provides his, his Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Um, and we link it to, to the only place that Jehovah Jireh is mentioned in the Bible, which is with Abraham. And, and, and now we're like uh, holding on to this God, God's my provider. Okay. And I, and I, I, I almost want to stop there and, and, and explain a few things. But I mean, the bottom line is, yes, God provides. He is provided. On, on one hand, he's provider. He's provided for us his spirit. He's provided for us salvation and the spirit through salvation. On the other hand, he's provider and that he's father. And so he does look after us. But we have to ask the question, how? Because for a lot of Christians, when it comes to finances and provision and prosperity and things like that, we, we have this, we may not say this, but we have this attitude that it's going to drop out of the sky and fall on us. So let's look at a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 to 34. See, if we look at the, the, the Bible, and, 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 and this is one of the first things that we focused on in the beginning of the year, is that the message of the Bible is Jesus and the salvation that he brings. Okay, so when, you, when you're reading about Abraham, that's the message that, that God wants to reveal to you. When you're reading about Noah, that's the message that God wants to reveal to you. When you're reading about Jericho, that's the message God's wanting to bring to you. It's, when you read anything, in the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, it's pointing to the salvation that is revealed and explained from Matthew to Revelation. It's always like that. The, the, the Bible is not about money. It's about salvation. So Matthew chapter, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Okay, so very clear. Money wants to be your master, or, or, or maybe it's what's inside man that may, wants to make money the master. Or God's our master, and that we're allowing him to lead us, not much lead us. Now, there's a good thing there that we are we making decisions based on finances or based on how God is leading us? And the answer to how does God provide is in what I've just said. God leading us. He's, he's provided his spirit for us. Through That's what salvation is. We've got the spirit of God living in us. And so now look at it. You, you can hear the voice of God. You can know God. You have a relationship with God. He's provided the spirit for you. And now through relationship with him, he's leading you to green pastures. And there's provision there. So verse 25. <clears throat> Therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the birds or the fowls of the air. For they sow not, nor reap not. Neither do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So I just want to comment on that verse because I love to point this out. The birds of the air don't sow and reap, and yet they provide it for. So we need to root out the idea that sowing and reaping is, 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 is why we're provided for. 
you know, the, the, the birds of the air don't um, gather into barns. They don't have a savings account. Often we, we want to, we, we feel like, hey, um, the reason why I'm looked after is because um, I've got my savings. Savings is good. Giving is good. But it's not what provides for us. Okay. Provision is based on identity. Okay. And the identity aspect is now you're a child of God. You've got his spirit living in you. Yep. Let me move on, and then I'll come back there. Verse 27, How, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? Answers no one. And why take uh, ye thought for raiment, for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. I like the version that says heathen. Makes it sound rougher. <laughs> for, for all these things do the Gentiles seek. And then there's a smiley face. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought, therefore, for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take thought of, uh, for, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the days the evil thereof. Yeah, so there's, there's lots of things that we can say in that. But this is just pointing us to trusting God. Okay, but I think for us as Christians, we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to trust God? Because I believe there's a lot of lazy Christians out there who are, are excusing their laziness under the banner of, I'm trusting God. Lazy Christians who are saying, I'm trusting God, or they're hiding behind their sowing because they're expecting to reap. You know, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. But you can't expect your ship to come in if you haven't sent one out. And so, so they get, they, they, they're, they're putting their money out there, hoping for something to return. And last week I said, the return that you get isn't in this life. So, so how does a ship come in? You know, it's one that you've sent out. And I believe that that would be hard work, which God provides you with skill. He provides you with interest. He provides you with opportunities. He provides you with natural gifts and talents and interests and all sorts of things. And, you know, you, you trust him and, and you develop those skills and everything. And now you're working towards uh, a, a, a ship coming in. You know, that, that's good sowing is, 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 is using the gifts that God's given you in a way which would, would, would bring a harvest. I mean, that's, that's in all those words with a different definition to what you're probably used to. Now, God is a loving heavenly father and he does provide for us. But what and how does he provide? We have to ask ourselves that because for some reason we're expecting money just to appear in our accounts. And it doesn't. How does money come? Through people. It comes through relationship. It comes through relationships. So you have a business. God's not just going to transfer 10 million into your account. <laughs> you know, the money is going to come in through relationship with clients and customers. 
that's going to take some skill in a sense of relational skills and whatever product you have or service that you have, working on that and, and, and so that you can be the best that you can be. And the whole time you're listening to God going, God, you know, is there something that I should do? And, you know, maybe he, he leads you to go to this customer or maybe he leads you to, to, to do this product or there's a new idea. There's some innovation because, you know, God is a creator of the universe and we're his children. So we've got creative DNA. And so you come up with a creative idea and it starts to make money. Now you need wisdom on how to, to run your business and how to monetize something or whatever. And so you go and develop your skill, read books, go for short courses, go and study or something like that, so that you can have the practical skills to be able to do what you need to do. That's very spiritual. I know people are kind of uh, don't want to go through all that effort because, you know, putting money in an offering bucket and hoping for something to come is much easier. But the reason why we give isn't to meet our needs. We give to meet the needs of others, and I'll look at that in a moment. We give to meet the needs of the gospel. We give to, 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 to help the family. Okay. So Jehovah Jireh, what did he provide? What, what, what does that, that whole account in Genesis talking about? Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through, Christ, uh, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This is salvation. This is what this is talking about. Salvation is the Spirit of God living in a man. Okay, That phrase, that we might receive. If we're receiving something, it means that something is being provided for. So this is talking about receiving provision, a gift. Receiving salvation, receiving the spirit of God. Receiving the spirit. Now, now we have the spirit of God. The spirit of God leads us. The spirit of God helps us to hear the voice of God more clearly, to know him. Okay. Now. There's a, a fine line here, and I want to kind of expose it a little bit. John chapter 16. Because now we can kind of say, well, I'm going to be successful in my business because what I'm going to do is trust the Holy Spirit to show me things to come. And yes and no. So let me look at it. John chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus speaking, he says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but he, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me. And he shall receive of mine, and he will show it unto you. If you read that passage, and you even read the whole chapter in context, it's not talking at all about your business. <laughs> you know, we, we like to include it there. And yes, 
the Spirit of God can reveal something to you about your business. And yes, he can lead you in something in business. But if we're wanting to be accurate to what is this verse saying, actually, this passage, what is it saying? He's saying there's certain truths that we cannot share right now. They cannot handle them. But when he comes in them in spirit form, he will guide them into all truth. Not truth about um, investments. Truth about the, 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 the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Truth about salvation. Truth about what God intended from the beginning of time. The truths that are revealed to us and explained to us in the epistles. This is what the Spirit's job is to do. We know that because, and, and he shows you things to come. It's, that's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is speaking about it just before that. It's not talking about avoiding a, an accident. The Holy Spirit can, can, can warn you of an accident and lead you, and I've had things like that. He definitely does you know, show us things to come in that respect. But this passage of, 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 of Bible is talking about the Spirit showing us things to come, the, the audience of John chapter 16, showing them things to come concerning the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and, and uh, Pentecost. That's what this verse is talking about. The thing that, uh, what God had, Jehovah Jireh, what God has provided for us. Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So the, 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 um, the spirit is always glorifying Jesus. And you could say, yes, but he led me to this investment and it glorifies Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Yes, but, you know, what about the guy it didn't work for? Yeah, we, 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 we love testimonies, and sometimes testimonies can be wrong. But, you know, someone stands up and testifies, I was trusting God for, to, to, to pay my bills, and I got to pay all my bills this month. Praise God, that's awesome. Someone else sitting in the church is like, well, I've been trusting God, and I just keep going into debt, and I, I don't see provision, and I don't know what's wrong with me and and uh, uh, why is my faith working and God's not coming through and they're doing everything the same and whatever. Yes, there's an element of faith in their hearts and all of this, but, you know, there's avenues through which God wants to get provision to you. The avenues isn't something just magically appearing in the air and falling on your lap. The avenues is your skills, your abilities, your interests, and you might love making um, little knitted dolls. I'm just coming up with the first thing that pops in my head. <laughs> you, you might just love, and you like, let's, let's say ice cream sticks. You have this amazing ability to stick ice cream sticks together in such a way that it looks like a nice snowflake. And if you spray paint them gold and with a little bit of silver, it's like beautiful. And you're going to, you, you think people will love these because this is your passion. And now you want to sell these as Christmas decorations so that people will hang them on their trees. And you know, there's millions of people around the world who, who would buy something like this. And you're like, I'm going to make money out of this. But maybe everybody else in the world looks at it and says, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, you guys know that this is true. People go on, on idols and Britain's Got Talent 
and they can't sing to save their life, but they think they can sing. They think they're the best things in sliced bread. And they're like, I'm the next pop star. I'm the next idol. I'm going to make it. And then they like start singing and they, the, the judges are sometimes crawling under the desk. Why? Because they're horrible. They haven't got talent for that. You might be passionate about something, but it might not be what you're supposed to do because it's not good enough. So you need to go and develop your skill or choose something else. If you can't monetize it, you can't make money out of it. Maybe it's just supposed to be a hobby. You know, only a few people in the world can get paid for surfing. Not everybody who loves surfing gets paid for it. Same thing with athletics, the same thing with music, the same thing with, with uh, everything. So what we've got to see is, yes, the Holy Spirit can give us an idea. I know many people in business who started their business because the Holy Spirit led to, to the right business opportunity or gave them an idea or something like that. But this passage of Scripture is talking about our salvation and our relationship with God and the Holy Spirit revealing truth to us about the death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. How do we know that? Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Verse 25 to 27 first, he says, Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory? And then beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Genesis to Malachi, Jesus expounded unto them all in all the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, the things concerning himself. Verse 44. And then he said unto them, so that shows us Jesus is the message of the, the Bible. Verse 44, and then he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. Now remember, the, all these things must be fulfilled. All these promises must be fulfilled. I ask the question again, what promise are you standing on from God? All the promises have been fulfilled. We're living in the fulfillment. All these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened the standing that they might understand the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, and said unto them. Now, now he's showing us this is the purpose of the scriptures. Jesus, after his ascension, after his resurrection, before his ascension, he did not teach on prosperity. He explained the Bible to point to himself and what he accomplished. Look at it, verse 46. Thus it is written, he's talking about what is written in Genesis to Malachi. Thus it is written, thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And behold, I, verse 49, behold, then it goes on, you can read all of that, but verse 49, I, and behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. What is the promise? The Spirit. Tarry ye in, uh, in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endured with power from on high. Showing us that God wanted to come and dwell in man and empower them to be his witness in the world. So I, I went into all of that just to show us 
what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's not talking about material wealth and how to get it. It's talking about uh, uh, the wealth of the spirit. Okay, the Jehovah Jireh, God, uh, God provides. What does he provide? Salvation. He provides a sacrifice, which brings salvation. So how does God provide in terms of um, your needs? I've spoken a bit about that in between everything already. But he doesn't drop wealth out of nothing. <clears throat> okay, it doesn't just fall on your lap. Unless you've got a big inheritance due to you. But I mean, that inheritance is because somebody worked hard or somebody fell into something nice or whatever. But it's not because you, uh, you know, God made money appear in your room. Now, I've heard testimonies of people saying, you know, money kind of appeared out of nowhere. I don't know what to say about that. But uh, the thing is, God put wealth in the earth for us to mine out. Remember, we spoke about this the past two weeks, I think. Psalm 104, 24, the earth is full of riches. Yeah, and then we've got verses like Matthew 5, 45, where Jesus says that God causes rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. So the earth is full of riches. The rain is, is part of the riches because, you know, it's necessary. And it's for everyone. Who's going to go and mine it out? Because whoever goes and takes it is going to be wealthy. The one who doesn't take it is not going to be wealthy. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, the New Living Translation says, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So this is saying work hard with your hands so that you can have something to be a blessing to others who have a need. So this is showing we need to be giving to people in need. And I'll even uh, uh, raise the bar there and say the family, the church, the, the, the spiritual family, Christians, believers, we need, to, we need to be looking after the household of God before we, we, we go into the world. Okay. And then there's a saying, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Work, stop being lazy. So this is how God provides for us, work. <laughs> yeah, for, 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 for those of us who are in, in, in full-time ministry, it's, it's full-time ministry is work. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not um, uh, 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 all sunshine and roses as it appears to be sometimes to people, but it's like it, it's hard work as well. And, you know, if, if all of us have the same attitude, we've spoken about it, if the finances goes down, we're, we're all prepared to work. Some are already bivocational. Because, you know, uh, 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 yes, we can use our time full to be able to, to, to do what we do in equipping the saints and in reaching people, et cetera, et cetera, and, and managing the, the, the church family. But, you know, if we need to take a step back from it to be able to use our skills in the world, to be able to empower us, to be able to, to do what we, we're called to do, we'll do it. Because I know on, on our team, nobody is lazy. Acts chapter 20, verse 34. Firstly, from the King James Version, Paul speaking, and he says, Yea, you yourselves know that with these hands, uh, that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Yeah, Paul saying, I'm a tent maker. 
Now, he wasn't always a tent maker. Remember, I've said that. Sometimes he received uh, gifts from partners and from churches to be able to support him in traveling uh, uh, um, and, and, and reaching people and discipling people and equipping people. And, you know, that's important. That's awesome. But he, he said, like I just said now, that he wasn't a burden to anyone. Because he ministered to his own necessities. These hands, he said, ministered to his own necessities. And to others who were with him. The New Living Translation puts it like this. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs. And even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. (laughs) That's what most people are trying to avoid. Is working hard. And so they rather say. Uh, uh, let me give into the offering bucket. I like this teaching of, of give to get the casino gospel because, you know, it's a bit of a risk. I'm not, I don't know if there's a guarantee, but I don't know if there's a guarantee. Hopefully it works for me or whatever they say. But there it says straight after that, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So the believer who's more focused on receiving and even giving to receive is wrong. We must be focused in on it's a it's a more, more of a blessing to give. And how do we we give? Well, Ephesians chapter four, verse 28, in order to give, you've got to have something in order to have something. You've got to use your hands uh, and work hard. OK, two Corinthians chapter eight, verse one to five, the New Living Translation. And this is a passage that we will have to get into soon. Um, but 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 5, I just want to bring out one point from it. It says, <clears throat> now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles. God's not testing them, but troubles are testing them. And they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, that, which has overflowed in rich generosity generosity are poor in finances but rich in generosity verse three for i can testify that they gave not only what they could afford but far more that's generosity and they did it of their own free will they weren't manipulated into an offering they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in jerusalem because there was a famine in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. And this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, which often is butchered in order to to make provision for give-to-get messages. But what we see here is that Paul's writing and saying, hey, this church in Macedonia is really struggling. But they have so much joy and are so eager to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem that they've given more than they can afford to be able to help. I mean, that's a beautiful heart that's being represented there. But more than that, you know, he's not saying anything about they're going to reap a hundredfold. And now the Macedonian church is going to be the wealthiest church in the, the area. He, there's no, there's no, he doesn't say anything like that. But then on top of that, what I want you to see here is that provision for the believers in Jerusalem 
came from God through the church in Macedonia. Read the verse one. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. The generosity of the believers was an act of God's kindness. Your generosity towards the church, your generosity towards believers in need is an act of God's kindness towards either the family uh, uh, structure of grace life or uh, uh, um, the, the individual that you're being a blessing to. How awesome is that? Yeah, I've, I, I, I've, <laughs> I, I've uh, seen people, I can't remember who this is, so if this is you, then I love you. But, but I remember somebody saying to me they were trusting God for a car, and then they, they were a specific car, and then the, someone like very generously said, you know, I want to give you my car, but the car wasn't exactly what this person was trusting for. So they turned it down. And I said, you're a fool. <laughs> I was like, you shouldn't do that. Like God, like, like what? that was like God's kindness being shown towards you through someone. And that was like the generosity of the heart. If you don't like the car, take it. You can sell it and put it towards something else. But, but like, you know, you don't turn down someone's generosity. No, but God's going to give me a car and God will give me the best. Yeah, we don't know what the churches in Macedonia, what, what, the, what the offering was, actually. But Paul makes it sound like it was something big. Think about it. When, when myself and, and Pastor Isaac from Zimbabwe went up to Zambia, we went to the, the rural town of Nakonde on the Tanzanian border. And we ministered to about 150 pastors and we trained them over the weekend on discipleship. <coughs> 100 to 150 pastors were, um, were very thankful for, for us coming, spending thousands of rands on flights and uh, 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 driving and accommodation and all sorts to get there, to train them. They, some of them had walked a day or two to get to where we were so that they could uh, get the training. Then they very generously took up an offering I can't remember what Isaac got. And I can't remember what the other guy on the team got. But everybody got like a gift. I got a shirt. They got something else, maybe like a bowl or I don't know what. And then they gave an offer, financial offering, which was split then, you know, that, which was to be split for us. And the offering was a whopping 200 rand. And yet they gave everything that they could to bless us. It was exactly like this. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness done through the church in the Konde to give you 200 rand. Because often we'll look at that and we'll be like, this is useless. But you don't see where it's coming from and the heart that it's coming from. And yeah, that couldn't really provide for anything except maybe, you know, a couple of pies and, and cool drinks on the road, which is very helpful. But the point is, is, is it was the kindness of God still expressed. And fortunately, we didn't have to rely on their giving because the church, Grace Life's giving helped towards that. The kindness of God was shown through Grace Life uh, members in providing for that trip. So you can see how you can be part of God's kindness being expressed to other believers. We have uh, 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 families in need sometimes. 
um, um, like the, the family in Solari's past, their house burned down. And Grace Life has rallied together in such a beautiful way that, you know, everything was, was really provided for. Because it was the kindness of God in action. It wasn't just the kindness of people. It was the kindness of God being expressed through his church. We are his hands. We are his feet. God wants to provide for you through his church. If you're not part of the church, he can't provide for you through that. You know, I've been in services uh, growing up, not so much at Grace Life, but growing up where, where people will go to each other and, and you know, will give charismatic handshakes and you know, give each other money. I've had people give me money or bless me with this or bless me with that. And you know, it's happened a couple of times at Grace Life. Uh, you, you don't always see it because people try and do it in secret, which is awesome. But the point is, is like that type of generosity really blesses people and it's, it, it shows them the kindness of God. <laughs> Second Thessalonians chapter three. So God provides for us through his church, through his body, through his hands and his feet. And Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse 10 to 11 says, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For this is Mr. This is quite a something. Uh, for we hear that there are some which work, walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Paul is saying, don't be lazy. You know, he's saying, you, if you don't want to work, you shouldn't eat. We're not going to support your laziness. <laughs> you know. There's seasons where you may not be able to find employment. And if you just stay at home, you're lazy. Because you can go out and volunteer, and at least you're doing something, and it'll even look good on your CV. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 to 11 from the New Living Translation says, Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Isn't that what happens when people are, are idle? <laughs> they start to meddle in other people's business. They start to get uh, to interfere. So the point is, how does God provide and what does he provide? He provides his spirit. Okay, that, that's what Jehovah Jireh is talking about, salvation. But I encourage you, ask God to show you what skills and abilities you have, you should know that by now. And then ask him to show you how to monetize that. If you're struggling to hear God, ask your, your friend. Ask, ask your pastor. Ask somebody. Hey, can you tell me what you think I'm good at? And, and see how you can monetize it. If your skills aren't as good as, you know, maybe you want to bake cakes and you're not as good as Moira. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the, the ladies in church who, who bakes great cakes and you wanting to do something like that, then go and develop your skill so that you can be like that. Yeah, you got to work on your skills and if, you, if you're wanting to be good at something, then trust God for opportunities. Look for opportunities around you. Opportunities are everywhere. And there's a great uh, story about Elijah who was in a cave. He was hiding for his life near the uh, brook Cherith. And you know, God provided for him in that time of hiding. He provided for him supernaturally and naturally. Firstly, he provided supernaturally, or naturally, let's say, firstly, through the brook Cherith. There was water there. 
and there was provision for him there. Then he provided for him supernaturally and the ravens, the birds brought him meat every day. Wherever you are in your life, there's natural means of provision. And there's supernatural means for, of provision. God supernaturally provides for you through people, through the church. Even, you know, we've seen it. Even sometimes you go to the shop and there's just discounts. Yeah? That's not just a, a coincidence. Look at that as, as the kindness of God being shown to you through even an unbeliever. Yeah. When you realize that God is providing through, uh, for you through other people, then it even leads you to want to pray for those people. Then all of a sudden, it's not just about your well-being and your money and all of that either, but you're praying for the providers in your life. Pray for your boss that he would succeed, that she would succeed. Pray for the business that you're employed in. Just yeah, how do you pray? Just speak blessing. I'll just speak your blessing over them, Father. I thank you that if there's any issues in their life and their marriage, that you would just minister to that, send someone to minister to that. And if it's me, give me an opportunity and Help me just to be an encouragement to them and help me to be a, an asset to them and help me to help them grow this business. Yeah, if you've got partners because you're in ministry, you pray for your partners. You minister to your partners, you pray for them, you bless them. If your parents are providing for you, pray for them, bless them. Verbally thank them. You know, there's many ways that you can you can do things like that, but, but realize that, you know, yes, God's going to provide for you, but He's going to use people. He's going to work in people's hearts to be able to provide for you. You know, when even years back, we, 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 nobody knew that we needed a vehicle at the time. But we were praying for some, like, God, we know that someone, we felt some, someone would bless us with a car. So we we're praying for the person who would bless us with a car. And, you know, someone later contacted us and said, God's told me to, to give you a car. And they had the means and ability to do that. And then they did that. And we, we were given a car, and it was awesome. Now, you know, uh, 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 there's lots of things I struggle with with the whole testimony. Here, but at the same time, it happened, and it's like, wow, you know, praise God. But, you know, for, for most people, it's even a case of, even, even for us, it's like you, you have to save up for things sometimes. It doesn't just happen automatically. Yeah, so we've got to see that there's a supernatural element and a natural element. And the supernatural element is often supernatural in that it's work, the spirit of god working through people it's not the spirit of god dropping something out of nothing and i'm not belittling the supernatural at all by saying that because if we go back right to the beginning of our conversation genesis chapter 22 verse 14 abraham called the name of the place jehovah jireh why? Because he had experienced something. God provided a sacrifice. And this is also helping us to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing, the main thing is God provided a sacrifice for us. Not so that we could be wealthy in this life, but so that we could have eternity living in us and live in eternity. Amen? That's helpful. 
um, and that that was a blessing for you. We're going to leave it there and we'll get back together next week. So bye-bye, everyone.